This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. OPEC and its allies, including Russia, agreed to cut oil production in an effort to boost sagging prices. The reduction of output by 100,000 barrels per day corresponds to just 0.1% of global demand. European gas prices rose dramatically on Monday morning as markets reacted to Russia's indefinite suspension of the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. Kenya's Supreme Court upheld the result of the presidential election of August 9th, won narrowly by William Ruto. The court heard several petitions from allies of the defeated candidate Raila Odinga contesting the result. But the Chief Justice, Martha Kume, dismissed all allegations of ballot stuffing, voter suppression, and tampering with the results. Some of the evidence submitted was, quote, hot air, she argued, sending the court on a, quote, wild goose chase. Ivan Safranov, a Russian former defense journalist, was sentenced to 22 years imprisonment for treason. In 2020, he was arrested, having been accused of passing classified information about Russian arms deals to the Czech Republic. He refused prosecutors' offer of a 12 year sentence if he agreed to plead guilty. In yet another sign of Russia's crackdown on dissent, Navoya Gazeta, one of the country's last independent news outlets, was stripped of its media license, in effect, banning it from operating inside Russia. A judge acceded to Donald Trump's request to appoint an independent arbiter to review documents seized by the FBI from his Florida estate. America's former president had claimed that they were protected by executive privilege and thus should be withheld from law enforcement. The judge noted that Mr. Trump, quote, ultimately may not be entitled to return of much of the seized property. Liz Truss will replace Boris Johnson as Britain's prime minister after she was elected as leader of the Conservative Party. Ms. Truss, the foreign secretary, beat Rishi Sunak, a former chancellor of the Exchequer, in a ballot of about 170,000 party members, winning 57% of 140,000 votes cast. The new prime minister, a self proclaimed Thatcherite, inherits a perilous economic situation amid record energy prices and a cost of living crisis. Israel admitted that there is a, quote, high possibility that Shirin Abu Akleh, a Palestinian journalist who died in the West Bank in May, was killed, quote, accidentally by its army. But the military said it was impossible to definitively determine how the Al Jazeera correspondent died, arguing that Palestinian fighters were also in the area. The UN's Human Rights Office had previously concluded that Ms. Abu Akleh was killed by Israeli fire. A suicide bombing outside Russia's embassy in Kabul killed six people, including two embassy staff. Russia is one of the only countries to have maintained a diplomatic mission in Afghanistan since the Taliban's takeover one year ago. Violence, including suicide bombings, has decreased since the hardline Islamist group retook power. No organization has yet claimed responsibility for the explosion. And fact of the day 60%. The proportion of British Conservative Party voters who agree that the country is, quote, in decline. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Challenges for Britain's new Prime Minister.
On Tuesday, Liz Truss will fly to Balmoral Castle in Scotland, where Queen Elizabeth II will invite her to form a new British government. The meeting was secured by the 57.4% of Conservative Party members who picked the current Foreign Secretary as party leader over her rival Rishi Sunak. That was enough to give Ms. Truss the job she craved. But her majority was not as impressive as polling had suggested. She also did worse than her immediate predecessors. Boris Johnson secured 66% of members' votes in 2019, and in 2005, David Cameron scooped 68%. In an earlier round, Ms. Truss was backed by just 32% of Tory MPs. Behind Mr. Sunak, hers was the lowest share of support of any candidate who has gone on to win since the current rules were introduced in 1998. A weak internal mandate is ominous. Ms. Truss will need to lead her increasingly rebellious party through an energy crisis afflicting all of Europe. Recent Tory leaders have had short tenures. Ms. Truss will have to work hard to secure her standing among her colleagues. The End of Australia's Housing Boom Housing booms in many overheated markets are ending as policymakers raise interest rates to curb inflation. Australia's market, one of the frothiest, is weathering its sharpest downturn in almost 40 years. Prices nationally have fallen by 3.4% since the central bank started tightening monetary policy in May, according to CoreLogic, a property data firm. In Sydney, house prices are shedding almost 1,000 Australian dollars, or 680 US dollars, a day. That may be only the start. Annual consumer price inflation is at 6.1%. On Tuesday, the Reserve Bank will increase interest rates for the fifth consecutive month, probably by 0.5 percentage points to 2.35%. Economists reckon that house prices could slump by up to 20% from their peaks. Since some Australian households are among the world's most indebted, that will hurt. Yet a recession is not yet looming. And even if house prices fell by a fifth, they would still be higher than they were before the pandemic. Painful Reminders for Germany and Israel Israel's president, Isaac Herzog, will address the German Bundestag on Tuesday. His speech marks the climax of a visit to mark the 50th anniversary of the massacre of 11 Israeli athletes and coaches by Palestinian terrorists at the Munich Olympics in 1972. The run-up to the anniversary was tense. In July, victims' families rejected a German compensation offer and said they would not attend a commemoration ceremony on Monday. After a last-minute deal, including an official apology for security lapses and payments to families, that decision was reversed. Frank-Walter Steinmeier, Germany's president, called it, quote, shameful that it had taken 50 years to reach a settlement. After his Bundestag address, Mr. Herzog will travel to the site of the Bergen-Belsen Nazi concentration camp. As a soldier in the British Army, his father, Heim Herzog, helped to liberate the camp in 1945. The elder Herzog later became the sixth president of Israel. The symbolism of the 11th president's trip, both personal and political, is clear. Rainbow Stagnation South Africa ought to be the industrial engine of its continent, yet its economic performance has been disappointing for a decade and a half. 
Though incomes grew for most people after the end of white rule in 1994, over the past 10 years only the top 5% have gained in real terms. That has exacerbated already grotesque inequality. So when the country gets its latest GDP figures on Tuesday for the second quarter of this year, forgive South Africans for greeting them with a shrug. The data are expected to show a continuing slow rebound from an awful two years of the pandemic. But because firms have been hindered by record blackouts due to the dysfunctional state power company, there will not be a huge surge in activity. That is what would be required to put a dent in an unemployment rate of 34%, the highest known rate in the world. The Story of Stuart Brand the Whole Earth Catalog, first published in 1968, was an eclectic compendium of tools to help its readers live more sustainable lives. A documentary released on streaming platforms on Tuesday about its editor, Stuart Brand, takes its name from the opening sentence of the catalog, quote, We are as gods, and might as well get good at it. Environmentalists loved the catalog. But its most enduring impact was in Silicon Valley, where its techno-utopian philosophy took hold. Mr. Brand mingled with early computer pioneers and helped develop the open-source philosophy critical to modern software. Steve Jobs, the late boss of Apple, referred to the periodical as, quote, one of the Bibles of my generation. We Are As Gods chronicles one of Mr. Brand's most recent projects, using genetic engineering to bring back the woolly mammoth from extinction. To his critics, this is hubristic meddling, but with his deep faith in technology, to Mr. Brand, it is just a new form of conservation. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What term is used to describe a gambling strategy where the stakes are doubled till a win is achieved? Monday. Which term is used for the set of cards received by a player in poker or bridge? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Luciano Pavarotti, who died on this day in 2007. Learning music by reading about it is like making love by mail. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. <laughs>